Today's scripture reading comes from uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 21, uh, verses 15 through 19. We're going to be reading this in the ESV, uh, which is the pew Bibles uh, that are in front of you are in the ESV. Uh, we, we encourage you to look it up, or if you uh, brought your own Bible or have a Bible app, uh, we encourage you to read along. And uh, I just did want to say, uh, as you're looking it up, that uh, uh, this is a scripture that we've uh, uh, read before, actually a few months back, but we're going to be reading in a little bit of a different context. And so we invite you to read this with fresh eyes and with, uh, uh, with, with fresh expectation. And so again, it's uh, John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19, and we'll be doing an alternate reading, which means I'll read the first verse. We'll all respond together with a verse after that, and we'll go back and forth. Um, and so please stand as able once you're ready to read the scripture. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. One day at finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. We are continuing this uh, series. Uh, the summer theme is practical. And uh, today's message is some pain, some gain. I know that sounds very similar to something that you've probably all heard, uh, something that gets uh, shared a lot, especially when we're, we talk about workouts, when we talk about exercise. You've probably heard it said, no pain, no gain. And, and I just you know did a Google image search and I found this picture. No pain, no gain. And uh, it, it might be confusing. This might look like Pastor Steve without his shirt. I know it's very easy to confuse, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, oftentimes when you hear this message, um, it conjures these images of people who are just jacked, you know, people who are almost monstrous looking in their physique, you know, and in this picture, I mean, what is going on with the chains? I, I don't know, right? But he's got like these heavy chains around him and he's like, Obviously not very comfortable right there. One more, bro. One more. I don't know. I picture screaming whenever I hear no pain, no gain. And, you know, to be honest, uh, back in the day, whenever there were um, uh, commercials for uh, either for gyms or for workout programs or for like Bowflex or these things you could buy at home, it usually would be this kind of thing. You would see, um, you know, jacked people like screaming and sweating so much and ah, it was just so extreme, you know, and it's kind of funny because now things are starting to swing the other direction. 
And I've talked about Planet Fitness a lot because I think their commercials are hilarious and how they have like this no judgment zone and whatever. And so it's kind of swung the other extreme where they're like, we don't let people like this into our gym at Planet Fitness. You won't feel judged, you know. Um, you can actually come to our, uh, our gym and like not even work out, just get pizza. We'll, we'll have free pizza for you, right? Like, oh my gosh, that's so different, right? You know, and brothers and sisters, um, I don't know about you, but these are the messages I always heard about working out. And one of the funny things about this is, and, and maybe this is the reason why Planet Fitnesses are popping up, is these kinds of messages actually in many ways, even though they're meant to be inspirational, and for some people, it totally does inspire them. For a lot of people, it doesn't. And I wonder, I wonder if in your spirituality, in your Christian life, if you have heard similar messages, no pain, no gain, right? Which I actually think is true. They, 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 they say that, you know, the way that you build muscle is by tearing muscle, right? That's why it hurts. That's why you're sore the next day, right? Because you have torn muscles and then those muscles rebuild and they rebuild stronger, right? And so if there isn't pain in that sense of muscles being torn, then you don't build muscle, right? And so in some ways, that is absolutely correct, you know? And brothers and sisters, I don't want you to think that I'm saying, you know, uh, that, that there is uh, such a thing in life where there is absolutely no pain. Uh, but today's message is some pain, some gain. Because I think that in many ways, the extreme messages that we've heard kind of turn people off. Now, let me give you an example. Okay, so you're sitting on your couch and you're eating uh, Cheetos. And you're thinking, you know, I need to go work out. I need to go exercise. And you're thinking, no pain, no gain. You have these images of jacked people just carrying chains and ah, it's so extreme, right? And working out for hours and, and lifting these heavy, heavy weights that are going to hurt so much as you lift it. And as you're sitting on your couch <laughs> eating the Cheetos, you're like, do I want to do that? No. Or you're thinking, um, I can't do that. You know what? I, I don't have time to work out for two hours. You know, I, I got like 30 minutes before my next thing, right? And so you're like, because I don't have two hours, because I don't have the physical or emotional or, you know, mental readiness to be able to do this, to be able to just go all out and just give everything extreme, just work out, just tear every muscle. Ah! Because I don't do that, I will do nothing. I will do nothing. And I wonder if that message is kind of what we're hearing in the church. And I wonder if that message is correct. Now, brothers and sisters, um, I, I'm, this whole uh, theme this summer is about giving you practical information. 
And I'm trying to give you things that I've learned myself. And so I kind of changed the way that I think about my spiritual life and my spiritual growth. And so I want to share some of those kind of revelations that I had with you. And some of them come from like the passages that we'll be reading today. But I understand, and I want you to be an active congregation. Maybe even we'll take questions or whatever. You can actually, you know, give me some pushback. What is the pushback that you're hearing right now when I say, maybe, maybe the messages that you've been hearing about you either give everything or nothing. It's all or nothing. And Christianity should be really painful and really extreme or don't follow Christ. What is the pushback you're already hearing? Now, you know, just I, I want that to be a question because I think you're going to see in the passage that 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 we're gonna, that we just read um, that maybe Jesus is offering something slightly different. Some of those things are correct, and some of those things I think are not helpful. And so let's take a look at this passage. Like like I said, it's something that we've read very recently. Um, but let's try to read this with a little fresh eyes. And just to give you the context again, this is uh, uh, Peter after the resurrection. And so what we need to know is that Peter, uh, before the resurrection, had made this very bold claim. He said, Jesus, even though everyone else falls away, I will never fail you. I will never drop off, right? I will never leave your side, even if they kill me even if it leads to my death, right? Very extreme, you know? And and I think we're very familiar, well, at least for me growing up, I don't know about you, but I'm very familiar with this kind of Christianity. Like, are you willing to die for Jesus? Yeah, right? It's very extreme. You know, so I think Peter would fit in at a lot of churches. Peter would have fit in in the kind of Christian culture that I think I grew up with. Just everything is all or nothing, 100%, full throttle, just go, right? Give everything. It's going to be painful. Yeah. Oh, it feels good. You know, no pain, no gain, you know? And this is the thing. Peter wasn't able to do it. He failed, right? When push came to shove, and the shove was actually not that much of a shove, it was... There were people warming themselves by the fire. Now, I know we can kind of make Peter look like a real uh, coward here. <laughs> you know, there, there's, there's a servant girl who asks him, you know, hey, aren't you with Jesus? This is after Jesus got arrested and, you know, Jesus is being held in trial. And right outside in the courtyard, uh, Peter's warming himself by the fire. And they're like, hey, you're with the, the Galilean, right? You, you look Galilean too. You know, I've seen you with Jesus. And he's like, no, 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 you haven't. And we make Peter look really kind of, yeah, just like, you know, he's so scared. But the truth is that there were guards there, right? That he also could have been arrested. But remember what he said. Even if they kill me, I will not leave your side. But he denies Jesus three times. Jesus, he predicted that this would happen. He denies knowing Jesus. And when the third time it happens, you know, Jesus tells them, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And when the cock crows after his third denial, he runs away. And the scripture says he weeps bitterly because he knows he failed. You know, this is the problem with your binary system of all or nothing, is that if you don't do everything, then you're nothing. That's the problem with the system. 
right? If I can't go to the gym and just, you know, be like those guys, you know, who are monsters in, in, in the gym and lifting all these heavy weights, then I might as well do nothing. Right? Is it better for us to not have ever tried, to not have ever tried to follow Jesus rather than fail him? And maybe in this moment, Peter is feeling that. And, and, you know, kind of the, the, the way that I kind of know that Peter is feeling this is because Peter goes back to fishing. Right? Before Jesus called Peter, he was fishing. You remember this? And then he leaves his nets, and then he goes to follow Jesus. At the beginning of this story, Peter is back fishing. What is the implication here? Jesus had resurrected, by the way. Why is he fishing? He's assuming, I think, that he's done. He can't serve anymore, right? Because he failed. It's supposed to be all or nothing, and now he's nothing. So I might as well just go back to my old job, right? There's no way Jesus is going to want to use me again, right? And so in this passage, this is what we call the reinstatement of Peter. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, this is funny because there, there is uh, the other disciples there, you know? And Peter had said, even if everyone falls away, even if their love isn't strong enough, even if their dedication isn't enough, I will never leave, right? And so Jesus is kind of using Peter's own words. Do you love me more than the rest of these? Right? And he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And if you've heard me preach on this passage before, there are differences in the Greek. When uh, Jesus asks, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? The Greek says agapas. That is the Greek word that we use for love. That's kind of the perfect love, right? The sacrificial love, the give everything love. And what the way that Peter responds is phileo, which is kind of like the brotherly love, right? Like, Jesus, you're my bro, you know? Jesus, you're my pal, my buddy. It's a friendly kind of love. And so what's happening here? Jesus is saying, remember how you said you would give your life for me? Do you love me that way? And Peter is saying, no, I'm fond of you. Do you have that no pain or no gain, like 100% love for me? Just ah, give everything. And Peter is saying, no, I have fondness for you. You know this because I failed you. Right? And so then, what is the way that Jesus responds? This is the key. And this is the part that we didn't really cover when we talked about this passage a few months ago. He says to him, feed my lambs. That's the response. Feed my lambs. Okay? Now, uh, we'll get back to that in a moment. Second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Again in the Greek, agapas. And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo. You know that I love you, right? Now, this is the key part. So he says, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? What does Jesus say here? In the Greek, it is not agapas. This is crazy. He says, phileis. The third time, he says, okay, Simon, Peter, you told me that you don't have the agape love for me. Are you just fond of me? 
And so the third time, Peter was grieved because he said to him that time, Phyllis, that's why he's grieved, right? I mean, it's probably also that he keeps asking, right? And that's the way that we usually hear this. But he's also grieved because the third time, he changes the love, right? Do you love me with a slightly inferior love? Do you love me, are you just fond of me? And so Peter is hurt, and he says, Lord, you know everything. You know this already. You know that I don't love you with agape love. You know that I'm just fond of you. And Jesus' answer doesn't change. Okay? Go feed my sheep. Brothers and sisters, notice that what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, okay, you didn't love me with agape love before. So now I want you to go and give your life for me. Extreme. What does he say? Go feed my sheep. This part, I usually don't really preach on that much because it's just, it's just kind of lame, to be honest. Like it just seems so weak, right? I'm almost expecting him to say, okay, Peter, this is your second chance. I'm showing you grace. Now go run through a brick wall for me, right? Now go ah, all in. He says, go feed my sheep. He's not even specific about this. How much should I feed your sheep? Like like, 10 times a day? One time a day? Two times a day? <laughs> right? Hey, feed my sheep. 10 my sheep. Feed my sheep. In other words, brothers and sisters, go do something. Right? Go do something. If you are my disciple, if you want to love and follow me, Go and do ministry. What kind of ministry? Some kind of ministry. Go do it, right? Get off the boat and go do ministry, right? And so, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, the next part of the passage, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And they explained to us this, he said, to show about what kind of death he was to glorify God. So what Jesus is telling Peter is, remember how you said you would give your life for me? You will someday. But I'm not asking you to do that today. Today, I'm asking you to feed my sheep. One day, you will get to the place where you give everything. Right? That's the promise. That's the prophecy. Right? Someday, Peter will be faithful to the end. Right now, he's not there. He's not. He's fond of Jesus. Right? But he knows he's a failure. And Jesus in his grace says, I forgive you, right? And now that you are forgiven, now what? This is the the problem that we have in Christianity oftentimes, is that we have such an extreme view of Christianity, where it's like, okay, we're very extreme about God's grace, and we love that, right? And and so, you know, a lot of times you'll hear a message like this. um, His pain, my gain, right? So no pain for me. But Jesus took all the pain, and I get all the gain. And that's a great message. That's not my message today, but it's true, right, in many ways. But then what happens afterwards? Once you receive that grace, right, now what do you do? And I think sometimes uh, in our churches, we're like, okay, now you go and do everything. Now you go and give everything, 
right? Or to be honest, sometimes on the extreme, you get churches nowadays and, you know, segments of Christianity where we're like, okay, it's just about grace. It's all about his grace. You don't have to do anything now. But what do we see uh, that, that Jesus says? After all of this, after all of this is happening, he just speaks two words to Peter, which again, are not very specific. He says, follow me, follow me which is also the first words he spoke to Jesus, to Peter, right? When he was on the boat, he said, come and follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Boom, drops the nets, and they follow, right? And so when he reinstates Peter, he says, okay, now you're going to come follow me. When he asked Peter to follow him the first time, Peter was, he was an uneducated fisherman, right? He didn't know a lot about a lot of things, right? You know, we, we don't really know how fit he was to follow Jesus, but Jesus said, just come follow me, right? That's, that's all I'm asking is that you take this step in faith, right? And he's still asking that of Peter, knowing full well, Jesus, you know all things. You know my love isn't perfect. He's like, yeah, I know. So just come and follow me. He's asking that of all of you too. He knows you're not perfect. He already knew that, right? You're forgiven. That's the great news, right? You don't need to measure up to some standard, right? And that's where grace really comes in. Because I think for a lot of us, following Christ or doing these things for God is kind of like this badge of honor or this kind of like, um, it's like an entrance requirement. It's some sort of uh, moral and spiritual test, hey, I can follow Jesus to this extent. And if I can't do that, what does that say about me as a Christ follower? I'll give you an example. A few years back, um, this was before I really kind of uh, changed a lot of the spiritual disciplines in my life. I've been sharing a lot about how I like to go and pray in parks, and you know, I've, I've been doing this contemplative prayer thing. Before that started, Reverend Cho, the previous senior pastor, he challenged me one day. He said, Pastor Steve, I want to challenge you to try to pray uh, for one hour every day. One hour every day. And I was like very convicted by this. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. One hour every day. So I tried. That afternoon, I I went into my basement, and and I got myself ready. I took out the Bible, and I had a journal. And I was like sitting cross-legged in a sunbeam. Oh, so spiritual, right? It's like such a nice spiritual environment. You know, I listened to some praise music first, you know, and, and then I, I got myself ready to pray. I read some scripture, you know, it's like, okay, let's pray. And about 45 seconds later, I fell asleep. <laughs> and maybe about an hour after that, I wake up. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I just, I fell asleep like one minute into my prayer. I suck. <laughs> I'm terrible at this. So next day, day number two, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pray. Same thing. Get the Bible out, right? Get the journal out. I'm sitting in the sunbeam. I'm ready to pray. This time I maybe last five minutes and I fall asleep again. This goes on the entire week. And by the end of the week, I'm like, I'm terrible at praying. I felt so bad. I felt so guilty. I felt so embarrassed that I just gave up. I just stopped. 
Because the lesson for me was I am not good enough to do what I said I was going to. I am not good enough to follow Jesus in this way. Now, this, I think, is a very important question, brothers and sisters. I don't know. Maybe you've, you've felt like that. There's some spiritual discipline you tried, or there's something that you tried to do for God. And my question is, where in the Bible does it say that you're supposed to pray for an hour a day? Where does it say that? John chapter 25. You guys, look it up. John chapter 25. It says, you shall pray for an hour every day. You shall have a quiet, a quiet time. It will be quiet. I'm just kidding. There's no John 25. That, that's, that's, that, that's my go-to chapter whenever something's not in the Bible. I just say it's in John chapter 25. It's not there. There's no John chapter 25. Nowhere does it say that you have to, that you must. You're some kind of superior Christian if you pray for an hour a day. And so this is the thing. So about a year after that, I felt very conflicted by, uh, con- convicted, conflicted. Maybe I was conflicted. <laughs> but then I got convicted. I got convicted by God that I did want to um, practice some spiritual disciplines. Right? And, and the, the thing was that it wasn't this sense of, if I don't do this, that somehow I'm disqualified from God's grace. If I don't do this, I'm not a real Christian. It was, I actually think this will be good. I want to grow in my intimacy with God. I want to learn how to pray. So I made the decision that I was going to pray every day in silence for 30 minutes a day. Right? And actually now it's become more like 20 minutes um, because there's some other things that got added to it. But I think the point is, is that Sometimes you might hear me talk like this, and maybe you've tried. I actually know some people who've tried, and they've told me. Like, Pastor Steve was really convicted by your message. We were talking about how you pray for 30 minutes a day. How you pray, how I pray. This is my spiritual practice, brothers and sisters. Right? I tried the hour thing, didn't work. Did 30 minutes, it was more my speed. Right? It was more where I was. And maybe you tried what I tried, and it was kind of like Reverend Cho telling me to pray for an hour. <laughs> You failed, and you felt like a failure. And you felt like, oh my gosh, I, <laughs> this spiritual discipline thing is not for me. I'm terrible, right? How about this? What if you did 10 minutes a day? Could you do 10 minutes a day? So they actually found this. Um, a lot of people don't exercise because they think about how hard it is. They think about how horrible it's going to be. They think about how long it's going to take. And they have these images that I have too of people just, ah, you know, going at it and doing it in this very extreme way that they're like, I'm not there. I can't do it. And they've actually done all these studies where they say that uh, they, they were very surprised by the findings that moderate exercise is actually really, really good for you. All the, the, the reason, or all the things that people had heard was, oh, no, 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 no. You can't do moderate exercise. You, you, you gotta rip all your muscles and, you know, you, you, you gotta uh, get, get that, that crazy sweat and you have to be dead tired at the end of it. This is what they would tell you. They'd be like, when you do a repetition, you lift as much weight as possible, so much weight that you can barely do it. And you just, you just beast mode it out. Just, ah, 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 oh my gosh, I can't do it anymore. Ah, right. And that, that's your workout. Oh my gosh, do that three times, right? Do that every other day and you will get muscle. Seriously, that's what I was told. And, and so, it, it, you know, 
what about this scenario? You know, for me, my workouts would take about an hour. You know, and, and uh, in the time that it takes to warm up, the time that it takes to cool down, and all the stuff in between, it takes about an, uh, an hour. And there have been times uh, this past year where I didn't have an hour. I'd have like 30 minutes before the kids came home or something like that. And so this is what I would do. I'd be like, oh, can't work out. This is what I used to do too, right? Like, like I'm like, okay, I'm going to pray 30 minutes a day. I was very legalistic in the beginning. I'm going to pray 30 minutes a day. Oh, I got 25 minutes. Can't pray. <laughs> right? So this is the most important finding. I know this sounds obvious, but maybe you're like me, and I actually didn't think this way. What if you only had 10 minutes to pray, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to pray. <laughs> it's only 10 minutes, but I'm actually going to take that 10 minutes to pray. What if you only had uh, 25 minutes to work out, and you actually worked out for 25 minutes? What they find in the research is, I know this is going to come as a shocker to you, some exercise is better than no exercise. Has anyone's mind blown? You're like, what? What? Are you are you serious right now? Some exercise is better than no exercise? It's common sense, right? But that's not what our society tells us oftentimes. If you don't do it the right way, if you don't do it extreme, then it's, it's not even worth doing. If you don't follow Jesus the right way, if you don't pray this amount, if you don't give this amount, if you don't give everything to God, then it's not worth doing. And so my message is, some prayer better than no prayer, right? Now, what's the pushback that you're having? Anyone, has a scripture come to your mind? Where you're like, okay, Pastor Steve, that sounds great. You cherry-picked a scripture, well, let me cherry-pick a scripture. (laughs) Where it talks about being extreme, being radical for Christ. Yeah, they're there. They're absolutely there. Anyone have a scripture in mind? Okay, what about, let me give you a scripture then. <laughs> so, uh, what about this one? Um, this is the one where Jesus is saying that uh, the people who keep like kind of hedging and they're like, oh, you know, I, I can't follow you all the way or uh, let me do something first. And he's like, no, no, you either follow me or you don't. And, and so as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead, dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. That last verse is the one that kind of sticks, at least for me. That's the one that's like very extreme, right? No one who puts his hand to the plow. And then if you even look back, you're not fit for the worthy of God. You're like, oh my gosh, this is so extreme, right? Pastor Steve, I was with you, but now you gave me this other verse and I don't know anymore. So this is the thing. Brothers and sisters, uh, there are these verses that tell you that there is kind of a binary between doing something or not doing something, right? Now think about this. Um, Jesus says, come and follow me. And you're like, I need to go back home, okay? So Jesus is over here on the road, right? And you're like, I need to go back home 
right? That's a binary. That's a one or a zero. That's either you're with Jesus or you're not, right? And there's some people who want it both ways. They're like, oh, I'm going to come and go as I please, or some days I'm going to follow you, or no days, right? Or, you know, some days I won't follow you, you know? Um, you know, I'm going to do this work for you, but I'm going to kind of keep looking back, right? I'm going to run the race, but as I'm running the race, I, I kind of keep going backwards, right? I'm, I'm going to kind of do this for you, right? And Jesus saying it doesn't work that way. Now, let me give you another verse, and this is probably the most famous one when we talk about being extreme, being uh, all the way, being hot or cold, right? If I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Right? So this is the one that we're talking about being lukewarm. You know? And so, again, this sounds extreme. Uh, what he's talking about here is being complacent. There are people who are rich, they don't realize that they have a need for God, and so they're just lukewarm. They're, they're like, yeah, I don't really need God, right? And, and so they're like, yeah, yeah, I kind of believe in God, but, you know, maybe not, you know? And Jesus is saying, no, it's a one or a zero, right? You either do it or don't do it. Now, now, brothers and sisters, what are they talking about? Have you ever met somebody who kind of worked out? Have you ever met anyone who, um, let, let's, let's use like kind of a sports example. Um, have you kind of played a game or you kind of went running? You either do or you don't, right? So this is the thing. When we're talking about the gym or going to the gym or prayer or whatever the case may be, you either do it or you don't do it. There's no kind of doing it, right? You either pray or you don't pray. Right? And so, th- this kind of lukewarm thing, it's really not doing it. You know? And, and, and so, when you do something, it has to be, you actually do it. Right? It doesn't tell you the intensity of it. It doesn't tell you how long you do it. But you either prayed or you don't pray. Right? Some of us, we actually think that this is kind of, uh, like, like this counts for something. You know, you're on the couch and you really think about working out. You're like, yo, I really want to work out today. Like, oh, you know, I'm going to do it. Another Cheeto. Like, you know, after this TV show, right? And, and, and then, you know, you, you finish that one. You're like, oh, it ended on a cliffhanger. You know, oh, five seconds in Netflix. We'll start the next one. You know, I'm just going to let it go. You know, let's see what happens. You know, maybe I'll work out. Maybe I won't. And you don't work out, right? That's lukewarm. Right? That means you didn't work out, right? If you actually got up off the couch, you're not uh, a professional bodybuilder, right? You don't really know what you're doing. You, you haven't worked out that much. But you go and you run for a good solid 20 minutes. On the treadmill, you're not going at the 6 or 7, which is the run speed. You're going at a good solid 3.5, which is just a healthy little jog, right? But you get that sweat. You actually got up off the couch. Do you think that will benefit your health? If you do that every day, it absolutely will, right? What Jesus is saying is that when you do something, you do it, 
right? If you say you're going to follow me, you follow me. If you say you're going to serve someone, you serve someone. Have you ever kind of like sort of forgave someone? You can't do it. You have to forgive them or not. Have you ever like talked to someone and you kind of talk to them, right? There's no in-between. It's a one or a zero. You did it or you didn't do it, right? Now, this is the problem is we make it forgive everyone, And we're like, I can't do that. I can't forgive everyone, so I'm not going to forgive anyone. Right? But Jesus in this passage isn't saying, Peter, go and serve the entire world. Right? Go and love in a way where you give your very life today. He says, go and feed some sheep. Do you understand that, the difference? Right? As Christians... You're called to do something, not everything. Maybe some of you in your prayer life, what you are called to today and would be actually, I mean, it would cause some pain. That I, I don't want to make this message, don't ever have pain. Because the thing is, for a lot of pain, what it is, is it's going past the point of comfort. Comfort is trying to keep you insulated. It's about fear right? It's about, um, this is what I've always done. It's just easier to not risk yourself because going out and working out, it hurts sometimes. Going out and talking to somebody, I mean, I don't know what that person's going to say. It could be really awkward, right? It could be very uncomfortable for my ego, very uncomfortable for my sense of safety. I don't want to do that. And and I think that a lot of these passages, instead of inspiring us to go live for Jesus, it gives us an excuse not to. Because we're like, remember the hot and cold passage? See, it's better that I sit on the couch and eat Cheetos than I actually go out and love someone if I'm not going to do it perfectly. You hear that? And Jesus gives Peter no out on this. He's like, hey, I'm just going to go back and fish and do what was comfortable, do what I always did before, right? Because I did it very badly. I failed you. And Jesus is like, nah, man, if you want to learn how to do this, if you want to follow me, then follow me. Go and love some people. Go and do it imperfectly. Someday, I, as I am with you, you will give your life, right? You'll love in this extreme way. But that day may not be today. You go and you do something, right? So brothers and sisters, you know, I don't know if this is helpful for you, but it's been really helpful for me. I'll just give you an example. Um, This past uh, week, I was at a conference, and I try to do this, um, you know, prayer time, and it's about 20 minutes of silence, but I, I, like, read a scripture passage before I intercede for people afterwards. The whole thing probably takes about 45 minutes. And I was, uh, uh, we, we were going on the service project in Detroit. We were going from Troy to Detroit. It takes about 30 minutes. And about halfway through, I realized, oh, man, like this conference has been so busy. I haven't had a chance to do my prayer time. So this is about 15 minutes in, and I'm like, huh, I only have 15 minutes left. My first instinct, my first instinct was, even though I knew I was going to preach this message to you, my first instinct was, I don't have time. I can't pray right now right? Might as well just play on my phone, right? Brothers and sisters, I know it sounds silly, but would 15 minutes of prayer be better than no prayer? 
But have you ever done that like me? I, I just, I don't have time, so I will do nothing, right? I don't have time to do it the right way. But knowing full well that I was going to give this message, I prayed for 15 minutes. I didn't get my full 45 minutes in. And then, you know what? Uh, the, the sky opened and God was like, I love you less, Steve. You are not a good pastor. In fact, I disqualify you for, of course that didn't happen, right? Of course that didn't happen. It was fine. At 15 minutes of prayer, would it have been better if I got 45 minutes in? Maybe. But that's all the time I had that day. And it was good. It was fine. Maybe all you can give at this moment is five minutes. You've never done it before. Give five minutes, right? Maybe you're like, well, I'm not the most outgoing person at this church. I know Pastor Steve always talks about greeting newcomers and all this stuff, and it's really, really hard, and it's like, maybe Jesus isn't asking you to greet every newcomer. Maybe he's just asking you to greet one, right? But if you greet that one, you got to greet that one, right? It's a one or a zero. You greeted them or you didn't, yeah? You did it, right? And, and so in this is the desire to grow. I'm not telling you just be comfortable with your one, right? Or, you know, be comfortable with your five minutes of prayer. Maybe as you start to get stronger and it starts to, you know, get more comfortable, you know, maybe you do 10 minutes of prayer. Maybe you do 15 minutes of prayer. I want to be very clear. Jesus is not going to love you more because you did that, Right? You know, you're, you're not going to suddenly, you know, like, oh, man, you know, now you're an A-plus Christian. I think that's what gets us in trouble. We think it's some kind of moral test, and it's not. These things are your, for your benefit, right? And so, yeah, you might have to, you know, encounter some discomfort, but maybe it's not as much as you think. And what you will find as you do it is that grace meets you there. Right? In obedience, as you follow Christ in what he is calling you to do in this moment, not where you're going to be in 25 years, because you're not where you are in 25 years. Maybe in 25 years, I don't know. Some of you guys are going to be the crazy prayer warriors. You're praying for hours and hours. You're a missionary in Africa, and you're giving your life for the aboriginals or somewhere. I don't know. Maybe that's you, but that's not you today. What God is calling you today is go feed some sheep. Amen? Yeah, come and follow me right now with where I'm calling you. Do one thing. The last thing I'll share. So we're going to Louisville, Kentucky, right? And uh, when I was at this conference, it was with a lot of other pastors, and a lot of people are talking about their, their mission trips. And, you know, they're not bragging, but, you know, it kind of sounds like they're bragging. They're like, oh, we went to Thailand this year. You know, we went to Kazakhstan. We went to Siberia, you know, and we spread the gospel to 15 different tribes and all of them gave their life to Jesus. Oh, you're going on missions? Oh, Pastor Steve, where are you guys going? We're, we're going to Louisville? Oh, Louisville. Where is that? Is that in France or somewhere? Is that? <laughs> no, man, it's in Kentucky. It's like, you know, a six-hour drive. It's in the United States. Oh, are, are you going to like be with the people in the inner city? Well, we're going to be at a mission center. I think they have air conditioning. Like, oh, okay, good for you. And, and I'll be honest, in some ways I'm like, why didn't we go to Siberia? Why didn't we go to these? You know, brothers and sisters, this is what we can do now. And should we not go 
to Louisville and serve them because we're not going to Kazakhstan, because we're not going halfway across the world? Is some feeding of the sheep better than no feeding of the sheep? Of course. Of course. God is calling us to love people. And we make it this game, right? How many people did you save? How many families did you help? And, and uh, Faith Fowler, who is this incredible United Methodist pastor, gave the keynote speak at this conference. And she uh, works for Cass Community. She's been doing it for 25 years. If you don't know Cass Community, it's an old historical United Methodist church that is in a, a very poor neighborhood in Detroit. And they have been working amongst the homeless. They've been working amongst prostitutes. They have been building. They built 19 tiny homes for the homeless and working poor in Detroit. And they're going to eventually give these 19 homes to these people. It's made national headlines, right? And when people see people like Faith Fowler, you know, you kind of feel like, we're not worthy, we're not worthy, you're doing all this stuff, right? You're working with the homeless, and you're doing all this stuff that's so extreme and so beautiful and so sacrificial and so great, but we can't be like Cass Community. And her message was about the the judgment, about at the end when Jesus says, um, you know, separating the sheep from the goats, right? And how will we know who the sheep are? And it's when Jesus says, you know, when when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was in prison, you visited me. And this was Faith Fowler's message. She said, Jesus didn't tell you how many people to feed. Jesus didn't tell you to go and do this for the entire world. You can't do it for the entire world. He's telling you to do something. Feed someone. Give a drink to someone. Visit someone. Right? And brothers and sisters, no matter where you're at, You can do something for the kingdom of God, right? This is what God is calling us to do, right? We can take, you don't have to take a hundred steps, you know, to the throne room of God. By the way, brothers and sisters, what we believe is God is right here. So it's not such a big step. Maybe all you can do is to just pray right now. So let's do that. Let's pray right now. This is all we, we can do right now in this moment. Let's pray. And to make this a one or zero moment, let's really pray. Let's really encounter the throne room of God. Well, I can't pray like Pastor Steve, or I can't pray like my my youth leader or my small group leader. Don't pray like them. Pray like you. Right? Oh, I I lose focus. I I you know I, I I stop praying after 15 seconds. Then pray for 15 seconds, but pray. Right? Let's in this moment be available to God. Let's give him what we can, not what we can't, right? Right now, maybe God is speaking something to you. I don't know. Maybe there's a step that you can take this summer, today even. Today would be even better. I know uh, for a lot of people, I, I, when I preach about forgiveness, um, they get really convicted, but then they leave very sad because they're like, Pastor Steve, I can't forgive that person then don't forgive that person. Forgive someone you can. You know, maybe there's someone who you're slightly annoyed at. (laughs) You know, you can't forgive your worst enemy. 
but you can forgive your mom. You can forgive your brother. You can forgive your best friend. Can you forgive them first? Maybe uh, you can't share the gospel with uh, that weird kid at school or your enemy at work. But could you pray for and encourage someone in your own church, in your small group? Could you do that? Could you remind them of the goodness of God? Could you do that? Maybe you're, you're being very convicted that you do want to spend time in prayer. And brothers and sisters, you know, this whole feeling bad about prayer, I mean, that's a whole other sermon, but, you know, I'm not telling you to feel bad about prayer, but I'm telling you that it's one of the most joyous things you can do, but a lot of us, we've just, we're out of practice. We don't know how to do it. It's become this moral test instead of a feast of love and grace where we get to be with our Creator. But maybe you could just commit, you know, three times this week, I'm going to pray for 10 minutes. Maybe you could put in your calendar. Maybe right now the most spiritual thing you can do is open your eyes right now, go into your phone and schedule that time. Do something. So I'm just going to give us a moment, and maybe, Jason, if you want to come up and start plucking away on the guitar and make it sound nice and holy and spiritual. (laughs) But can we just take a moment to just, you know, let this message sink in. And uh, I don't know what God is speaking to you, but maybe he is speaking to you. And maybe you can respond. God, I don't know what would have happened to the history of Christianity if uh, this guy named Peter decided that he wasn't qualified for this, that he had screwed up, that he wasn't extreme enough, and he decided to just uh, keep on fishing. But I'm grateful that he decided to take Jesus' call to respond to it, to follow him, to just go feed some sheep, to just be obedient with that, with what he could. Brothers and sisters, uh, our, uh, the people who are gathered here, maybe God is calling you. And God, I pray that you be with them. I pray, God, that it not just be inspiration and not just be emotion, but we actually follow through. We actually decide to respond to your grace by saying yes. It doesn't have to be this huge, big thing, but we will say yes, 100% to the small thing. So whatever it may be, God, may you strengthen us. May you convict us. It may not feel awesome when we do it. There may not be fireworks. (laughs) There may not be a lot of hoopla. Maybe people won't pat us on the back because we forgave one person or we prayed one prayer. But God will know that just in one small way, we took a step. In one small way, we started to open up to the possibility of grace. That's enough. That's enough. We thank you, God. May you be with all of us. May your grace be with all of us. May we know that we are enough because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. So we don't have to prove anything to anyone anymore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.